Alpha and Omega. I'm sure some of you all know what Alpha means, and it's not Alpha Dog. It means the beginning. I think it's good to be able to look back to see where you've come from, which means the beginning. And I ask my brothers and sisters to uh, journey with me. It would start of something that started thousands, thousands of years ago. It was called creation, the beginning. It's defined in the Bible as something that was first, the beginning, creation earth and all that was in it. I want you to think about something. In six short days, six, I said, God created everything and everything included you and me and the listening audience that's at home. It was no Big Bang Theory like the scientists want you to think. You know, I. I was going to bring a balloon, because to me that's the Big Bang Theory, or a paper bag. That's the Big Bang Theory. But when scientists can't understand, they are cast it aside. So as I said, it was, it was six days, as is written in the Holy Scripture. God spoke, and if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to Genesis 126. Genesis 1, verse 26. And I will be reading it in your hearing. And God said, Let us. I'm stopping there. Let us. Who was he talking about? God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Let us. But let's start over and read together Genesis 1, 26 and 27, where God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Remember that word, dominion, over the fish of the sea and over the fowls of the air and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Not only did God make man in his image, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, he gave them what? Dominion. Think about that. Control over everything. He stepped aside. He gave that to us. Verse 27 read, so God created man in his own image. I want to stop there. I have a friend of a different persuasion. He kind of, I don't think I need to describe when I say of a different persuasion. He stops there in the Bible. He said God made man in his image. He stops there. He doesn't accept the rest of the Bible that God created male and females. So when you complete 
reading verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created him. As I say, it's good to go back and find out where you come from. Verse 28, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Let me tell you something, ain't too, much, too many men I know that come together that can multiply other than numbers. So this is what my friend, I used to constantly, he passed away about four years ago. I never could get him to accept that God was real for the simple reason is he said God made a mistake with him. God don't make no mistakes. He's never made a mistake. And so as I continue to read verse 28, and God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air and over every living thing that moves upon this earth. Do you know that when you serve God, you serve a good God. Amen. You serve a loving and caring God who loved us so much. He loved us so much. It wasn't hard for him to call his work good. He said his work was good. So I asked myself, why is it so hard that when we do something good that it's hard for some people to tell you that it's good? They'll criticize it. They'll talk about it. They'll put you down. But in your heart, it's good because God gave it to you to do. So think about it. Why is it so hard for brothers and sisters to say to one another, you did good? Yesterday, Chase Wilder did good. Amen. Chris Patterson did good. Excuse my deep voice, but I'm trying to, to imitate what God said. It is good. And today, the singing of the trio, it was good. Everything so far has been good. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And hearing precious Lord, I love that song. I always heard it at funerals. That's where I usually would hear that song. But when you say, Lord, take my hand, hey, who else you want to take your hand in times of trouble? But I go again about why is it so hard for someone to say good? Look, I, I just want to share something with you all. I remember my mother gave me permission one day to cook a meal. For you vegans, it was, I made a chicken pot pie for the family. And uh, we got together, we prayed, we ate. They belched when they got through. Didn't say anything. And I looked at my mother and she said, the meal was good. She said, the meal was good. You can't be responsible for your brothers. But I went to Europe. I don't know whether it was either Switzerland or where it was, because I was backpacking. And I was in this restaurant, and I kept hearing people belching after their meal. And I'm like, dang, what's up with these folks? But then I found out that it's their culture. 
to let someone know that the meal was good. I'm sorry, I don't want that here in the United States. <laughs> if, if I cook something good, I want somebody to tell me Amen. that it's good. But let's read on. Genesis 131. You know, when he, the first things that he did, he said, good. But I'm sure all of you all know what he said when he finished. What did he say? It was very good. He's talking about us made in his image. Look about you. Look at each other's. Let's take a good look at each other's. We're made in God's image. He made no mistakes. Hey, we're good looking people. You know, God gotta be good looking. That's all I got to say. He's gotta be good looking because when I look around at us, I say, mm, wow, mm, that, we're good looking people. And he said, he, he was talking about us. I'm so grateful that the God we serve never gets tired. I said, never. He never gets tired. I look at Genesis 2, verse 1 and 2. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. How many of you all rest on the seventh day? How many of you all almost get to the edge of the seventh day or is prepared for the seventh day when it comes? Because the Lord, I'm, I'm visualizing him sitting back like, yeah, that's good. Now I'm going to sit back and, and enjoy what I have done, which means for us, you work five, six days a week. Isn't it nice to be able to go home and kick back and relax and enjoy what God has done for you by carrying you safely through? Because the world we live in now, be grateful that you make it home safe because we live in a world do I need to tell you about it? I don't need to tell you about it because if you read the news, you'll know. If you watch the news, you'll know. So God rested from his work as an example to us that we must come apart from the things which occupy our lives for six days a week and rest on the seventh day. Either we Earlier, we stood up and we recited Exodus 20. Remember the seventh day to keep it holy. You want to know how old I was when I learned that? I was a child. I was a child when I learned that. I was 10 years old. I had grown up. I, from that time, I was in a Baptist church. They didn't recite that at all. I don't think they recited anything other than the pastor used to scare us kids by pointing us, hell and damnation, yeah, all sorts of stuff. That's what they would do. They would scare us kids to being good in church. And so for me, I think it's very important, those formative years that you expose your children to the word of God, because once they learn it, they will always retain that 
and they were retained, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And it bothered me when we stopped doing it, but I remember because I learned it when I was 10 years old. The Sabbath means in our household, no working in the, for me it meant at 10 years old, no working in the garden on Saturday, no cutting the lawn with a manual lawnmower. For those of you all remember, manual lawnmowers. You, you, some of you people got it good, let me tell you. Cutting and stacking wood for the winter, a day of rest, bliss, go to church, have lunch, come home and relax. I, I just figured, hey, we're not going to have to do anything. Then Sunday morning, my mother looked at us, y'all need to get out there, cut that grass, work in that garden, et cetera, et cetera. And then I realized, oh, so Sabbath is a day of rest to come apart in fellowship and worship with our Heavenly Father. But I want to ask you all, what have we learned over the thousands of years Earth has been existent? What have we learned? I want to remind you all that before creation, God provided a redemption for us all. Before he created anything, he knew we were going to need a redeemer to rescue us from the things that the enemy, I won't even call his name, I just call him the enemy. I don't want to give him any credit up here. But he, he laid a plan a redemption for the human race in heaven. Through who? Jesus. Come on. You all know. Through Jesus, our Lord and Savior. John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that who should ever believe in him should not perish and go on and have an everlasting life. For God sent not his son into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be, praise God, praise God. He was looking out for us. You know, we got a good God. He looks out for us. He's even looking out for us right now as we sit inside his church. It ain't ours. This is the Lord's church. But verse 18 gives us some clarity. He, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We must believe that God did give his only begotten Son. So many people don't believe that. Someone told me one day, said, you believe in that myth? You believe in that fairy tale? I said, you exist because of that fairy tale. So we have, to, we have to speak up. We have to defend the God that we serve. Is anybody out there defending the God that we serve? When somebody put them down, we have to speak up. So I, I just pray that each of you believe that you have no doubt that God had a plan of redemption prior to creation, that he gave his only begotten son for all mankind and that Jesus carried the cross, and on that cross, he carried all of our sins and grief to bear. Praise God, praise God, good God. I'm gonna say, I can't say it enough. As Brother Hunt said here, we serve a good God. 
a loving, caring God who has seen us through so many things. We can't even know what he's carried us through. If you're honest, I thought about this. No wonder Jesus said on the cross in Matthew 27, 46, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can you imagine the weight of the sins that he was carrying? Think about it. Our sins. He didn't even know us. But he carried our sins. Praise God. That's all I can do. I praise him. I praise him. And if you, you're honest, I'm sure there's been times when the burdens that you all have carried have been heavy. And who did you take them to? I asked, who did you take them to? Thank you. This front, you all, thank you all. Y'all just speaking up for me. Thank you. Appreciate that. Come on. You all, you all know the God. You know what he is. He loves us. And he cares for us. I was thinking when it fell upon me, I only had uh, from Sunday when it was verified to actually sit down and talk to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, uh, <clears throat> I need you. I said, I always need him. I said, but I really need you. But the first thing came to my mind was paradise. You know we once had a paradise? We had a paradise. But because of three little letters, we lost it. Do anybody know what those three little letters are? S-I-N. And we gave up paradise. God provided everything we needed, visited every day, angels instructed. What happened? Eye candy. You ever heard that word, eye candy? Eye candy got in the way. We lost paradise. And the blame game began. Think about that. Adam said, that woman you gave me is the cause. Eve, the serpent beguiled me. Poor little, the poor little snake sitting there looking around like, he, he had no one to blame. He hasn't said a word since because he didn't have a word to say. Why would anyone in their right mind give up paradise? You ever ask that? Why would anyone give up a, a God who is providing everything, but when we don't believe in God, but when we go away from him, when we sin, when we hate and have malice in our heart, hey, we're giving up paradise again. Now I want you to think about this. From Genesis 1 to Genesis 5 and 6, I said, my goodness, they didn't learn anything over that 2,000, it's almost a 2,000 year period. Thank you, Sister Patterson, for helping me out. I appreciated that very much. And we come upon, they hadn't learned anything. We find Noah is 500 years old with a wife, three sons, 
Sham, Ham, and I hope I say this right, Jephthah, you all know who I'm talking about, and their wives. We have only gone from Genesis 1 to Genesis 6, and mankind's trying God's patience. I'm like, goodness, what was wrong with us? Once again, he's sustained us, he's brought us this far. And in verse 5, in Genesis 1, verse 5 reads, and God, Genesis 6, excuse me, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of thought of his heart was only evil continuously. Does that sound familiar? Wow. And verse 6 says, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on earth and it grieved his heart. I said, what's going on with them now? I'm like, wow, what happened? It sounds so familiar. Have, have we learned anything yet? We're still out there doing, going against the grain, thinking we can do it ourselves. So, I want you to look at Genesis 6, 7, and 8. Patience. God's patience. It was like, I'm done. I'm done. You know, it's kind of like, I remember my mother once said, I'm tired of this. Go get a switch. She said, I'm tired of saying this over and over and over to you. Go get a switch. You know, I was obedient. I went and got a switch for my own punishment. I thought about that. I said, why couldn't she go get the switch? I thought about that now. Why couldn't she get the switch, which I was going to receive the punishment. But it says here, and the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of this earth, both man and beast and creepy things and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. But Noah, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It don't say his wife. It don't say his children. It don't say anything about their wives. It says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now 120 years, imagine, every time he was preaching, every, he's telling people, the Lord is coming. The world is gonna be destroyed. Every last time. Every time he was preaching, but what were they doing? They were partying, having a good time. Having a good time, laughing, calling him a fanatic, saying he was crazy to be billing. How many of you all probably would have been saying the same thing? Come on, be honest, think about it. You would have been thinking the same thing. Here's this man out here in this vast desert that's never seen rain before, building this huge, huge boat, they probably call it. And they're partying, laughing, and he's preaching 120 years, he preached. Then it was finished. So when I read what was going on then, it sounds like instant replay of the times in which we're living in. I must ask, 
Are you ready for Jesus to come? Now, I don't want no, mm, think about it. Are you, I'm serious, are you ready for Jesus to come? Think about that. The floods came, probation closed on all but Noah, his wife, Sham, Ham, and Jethpet, <laughs> and their wives. You want to know something? We should be grateful for those eight lives because, because of them, we're here. He could have just wiped everybody out, and that would have been it. But because he loved us so much, he spared. I don't rather Moses and his wife ever had any more children. At 500 years of age, I'm just saying, everything's possible with God. But I know that his three sons and their wives were fruitful once again and multiplied. Did they learn anything? Why y'all so quiet? Did they learn anything? Okay, let's, let's look and see what happened during, after the flood. There's the Tower of Babel, Sodom and Gomorrah, slaves in Egypt, fighting and corruption, hatred, wars, rumors of war, nations rise against other nations, kingdoms against kingdoms, famine, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places, betrayal, hatred for one another, Lovers of their own kind, love for one another has waxed cold. Hmm. Boy, I, I, I'm coming into our time. Many people attend church, but they pick and choose who we like. Have no love for each other. High-minded, drunk with power, holding grudges, selfishness, stuck on self. Look down on people, criticize, laugh at people. That give them that haughty look. Mm, well, I do say, mm. wow, there's not a day that goes by when you watch the news that all I just read is happening. Are you ready? I'm asking you one more time. Are you ready for Jesus to come? There are people who profess that they're sin free. But Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Before anyone can put their faith in Jesus Christ, death on the cross to, be, to save them, they must believe and understand that they are sinners in need of salvation. Let me tell you, pride can keep you from admitting that you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. I am a sinner. Every day I have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, Please, Jesus, my Lord and Savior, please be the master of my mind, my heart, my body and soul. I have to say that because I, I never know when I've sinned. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know whether there's something that I looked at the wrong way or, or said something. You know, you can be in a grocery store and see something that's, oh wow, and that's a sin. We ain't got no right to judge nobody. Judge not that you be judged. We have to remember that leave that where it's supposed to be. God is our judge. 
Like I said, pride can keep us from admitting that you're a sinner. As it was said last night graciously by our dear brother Waller, he said, eating a vegan diet, paying a faithful tithe, or eating meat, the right, you know, clean meat. I don't know whether it's clean anymore myself. Uh, coming to church on Sabbath, holding a position in church, will not guarantee you a spot in heaven on this new earth. Barb Wilson and I went to the Laetitia Festival in Florida. And it was people from all over the world. Some of you have heard me talk about this. There was people from all over the world there. And there was this group from Africa. They sung in English, some beautiful songs, and they sung them in Africa, in their language. It was a beautiful, beautiful celebration that weekend. And for lunch, the gentleman stood up and he said, look, there's so many people from different parts of the world, and if there's more than two of you in your group, please spread out, get to know one another. So I'm sitting at the table with these uh, people from all over the world, and this gentleman walks over, and he says, looks right at men Barbara and say, I can't wait to get to heaven to come over there and hear you people sing. I'm like, wow. I said, he put a thought in my mind. Do people actually believe that heaven's going to have a sign here? Uh, Caucasians here, colored here, Native Americans come through that door, uh, and, and poor people, rich. Do people, I believe there's people out there that believe that. That's a shame. Why don't they pick up the Bible and study for themselves? Because we have to pick up the Bible to study to show ourselves approved. Because let me tell you, there's only one door. One door, from what I understand. And we are going to have to stand before our Savior before you can go through that door. That's the thing about it. John 14 15 to 18 speaks to what is required. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray to Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Verse 18, he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The Holy Spirit, my brothers and sisters, is available to all of us. I want to read you something from Desire of Ages. You might want to write this page down. Desire of Ages, page 672 speaks about the Holy Spirit. I used to be scared of the Holy Spirit. I really was, because I had no idea what he was going to do with me. It wasn't none of my business, I guess, but finally, you know, I, I, I began to understand the Holy Spirit, and he began to use me. But 
This is Desire of Ages, page 672. Christ has promised the gift of the Holy Spirit to his church, and the promise belongs to us as much as to the first disciples. But like every other promise, it is given on condition. There are many who believe and profess to claim the Lord's promise. They talk about Christ, about the Holy Spirit, yet receive no benefits. They do not surrender their soul to be guided and controlled by the divine agency. We cannot use the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to use us. Many people will not submit to the Holy Spirit. They want to manage themselves. That's why we do not receive that heavenly gift. My brothers and sisters, we all need the Holy Spirit. We need his guidance in our life. We need his grace. The power of God awaits their demands and reception. This promised blessing claimed by faith bring all other blessings in his train. It is given according to the riches of the grace of Christ, and he is ready to supply every soul according to the capacity to receive. I ask that question again. What do you think I'm going to ask? Are you ready for Jesus to come? You should be ready. You ain't got time to be getting ready. Because we don't know. But I sense that the Holy Spirit is slowly being withdrawn from this earth. So, I ask again. Are you ready for Jesus to come? We need the Holy Spirit in our church, our homes, because there's a paradise waiting for us, and I want to be there. I want to know what it's like in heaven, and I want to be on this earth made new. Anybody else? Yes. It's called eternal life in heaven and on this earth made new. I'm calling it paradise. Anybody knows me know I like cats. So when you get down here on this earth, look for me with the big cats. I love them. Because once again, they will be just like they were at the beginning. There, there will be no coming over to the other side to listen to the poor saint, or over where the black saint, or over where the rich is, there's only one door, and only one goes by Jesus. It's time to evaluate yourself. Do you love Jesus? Do you love everybody? I do the best I can to love everybody, and it ain't easy, let me tell you. It ain't easy. I'm willing to admit that. But I pray, and God gives me the strength to persevere, to press forward, to love. What did Jesus say? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment and the second is like it. Let me tell you, if you can't love me down here, there ain't gonna be no room for you up there. But you wanna know who wants you? He's just smiling right now saying, yeah, go ahead, make my day, because I can claim you if you don't love each others. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Who's your neighbor? Everybody. I'm asking again, are you ready for Jesus to come? 
Don't miss out on paradise, eternal life, because of the small big sins. You know, we're good at getting on our knees praying for those big sins. But you know, it's going to be those little sins that's going to wind up keeping you out of heaven. Those little sins. We've read, we've heard it twice already. Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people, whose people? Who do we belong to? If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Hey, it's time, my brothers and sisters, to be faithful. As we can see, as I've said before, the Holy Spirit is slowly being withdrawn from this earth. There's not going to be an ark this time. It's only going to be fire. Look about this world. A lot of people getting a taste of fire. When I think about what happened in Hawaii, I heard one of the officers say, one of the firemen say, he went into this house. I guess the people weren't able to escape. And he said there was a husband and wife, a little girl, a little boy, and they were sitting and they were burned to Chris, but they were still upright. Nobody want to be in that number. I'm sure you don't. Jesus wants us. He gave his only begotten son for us. He wants us to be in heaven with him. He doesn't want us to go with the enemy. He wants us to go with him. So all I ask of you all, I'm just asking. I'm not going to ask that question again. Because I've said it enough. You have to evaluate yourself and ask yourself, where do you want to be? I want to be in that number. I want my golden slippers. I want my robe. I want all of that. For he has promised. He's promised to be with us always, even until the end. If you're having any kind of problems, any health challenges, call upon the Lord. He is, he's good. Man, he's, you know, man think they're good. <laughs> they ain't seen what our God can do. What he's done for others, he will do for you. My brothers and sisters, as I prepare to close, I just want to ask you that if you want God at this moment to come into your heart, will you please stand? because I'm gonna pray that prayer. If you want God to come into your heart or you wanna make a decision for the Lord, you're welcome to come up here. But if you want Jesus to come into your heart, please, and I ask you, if you can just come close to one another, touch each other's shoulder so that the Holy Spirit will be able to move. Go and touch him while he is playing that piano. Thank you. Thank you all. Because 
when we get ready to go to heaven, it's probably gonna be that way. Father in heaven, I just wanna thank you for using me this day. I wanna thank you for the words you placed on my heart because Father, we know we always ask that you would let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable. And Father, I pray that someone in the midst of this crowd or at home has received this message and is making a decision that they're ready for Jesus to come into their heart and make that necessary change to change them, to give them a renewed spirit of mind, body, and soul. Oh, Father, you have just been so good. You have brought us through thousands of years from the beginning and soon, Omega, the end. To God be the glory, to God be the praise for the great things you've done. And Father, I just want to thank you, praise you, glorify you, lift you up, magnify your name and exalt you above everything and all things. For there's no one like you who is so good to us. I praise your holy name in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated.